Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and this week I was joined by Frank Perkins of Anari IO. Anari is a Barcelona-based insurtech. Um, they provide a platform for insurers to digitalize and virtualize many of their processes. Um, Frank's a great guy. We actually found out that we had some sort of career connection uh, when uh, many moons ago he worked for an MGA platform in Barcelona. Um, and in my first year of business, um, of being self-employed I did some work for that business uh, sadly we didn't meet then but we meet now um, what I think is important about um, Frank's story is that um, Frank comes from the traditional insurance world but working on the tech side of it so he has a specific kind of view a 360 view now he's working in the insure tech space about you know what um, insure tech opportunities there are how you innovate with inside incumbents um, we get into the kind of buy versus make discussion we talk about how you build a really good um founding team or or certainly uh, this sort of beyond the founding stage now they're about three years in on their journey so they've got a fantastic team there um and really kind of um you know hitting the ground running and and, and sort of going great places i always think with insurtechs my experience so far has been that you know you can tell how well people are doing by how often they get mentioned by others and um, and frank is someone that's been referred to me several times as someone i should talk to um and he's got a great sort of uh, vision uh, for the space so um absolutely didn't disappoint frank's a great guest uh, really um really good fun and um and, and answered some uh, good questions i think so i think you'll enjoy this one um i hope you enjoy episode 15 of the leadership insurance podcast Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Leadership in Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bonds, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Frank Perkins of Inari. Um, how are you doing, Frank? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, very good. Are you still in, uh, you're based in Barcelona, aren't you? I'm based in Barcelona, yeah. Is your, because it's a very grim sort of three o'clock in the afternoon here, here, in, uh, here in the UK. What's the weather like? It's it's been good. We've had a really great uh, Saturday. Was just pouring down. Sunday and today, you know, clear, clearer blue skies. A little bit chilly, or what we consider chilly. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much summer for other people, I guess. So, but yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I, I don't know why I torture myself because I keep doing these with people who are based in like California or somewhere, and um, it's just the Britishness in me that needs to ask <laughs> how much better it is somewhere else than where we are. But um, uh, and it is one way of getting around how dark it is. But um, before we dive in, um, we've got we've got some talking points. I, I thought it'd be nice if you could introduce Inari and what you guys are, are doing over there um, in the insure tech space. Yes, yeah, so, so Inari is a, a, a next generation insurance platform. Uh, and we like to say that we do the, the heavy lifting of, of insurance, right? And we give time back to, to people working in insurance companies. And it's, um, so basically what we're able to do is uh, digitize and virtualize the, the different things that happen in the, in the uh, management of the life cycle of risk into the platform. And so that could be uh, things around policy administration, portfolio management, binder management, credit control, you know, all the, the, the usual suspects of, of trading, trading risk through its entire life cycle. And so we've been um, working on that and, 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 and you know, building the product and, and, and onboarding customers for the last three years. It's been a, a very, very exciting uh, journey so far. 
Oh, fantastic. And and uh, just to give a bit of context, um, you and I discussed before actually. We we crossed paths sort of when you when you were sort of part of the AMV. But but you you're from sort of insurance, as it were. You, you you've worked in the sort of IT infrastructure space in insurance prior to launching this business, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So um, I started in insurance around about two thousand and six, and you know, it's, um, I think as we always mention every time, you, you never come out of college saying, you know, I really want to be in the insurance market. So <laughs> rather by accident, I I, I ended up at uh, HCC Global here in Barcelona, which was a quite a sizable MGA um, uh, and vehicle within the HCC group. Um, from there, I was very lucky enough, uh, along with uh, four other people, to to co-found to be part of the founding team of, of AMV um, between 2010 and the exit uh, in 2016 when we sold it to Amtrust. And that was a, you know, that was a pretty amazing journey as well, because what set out to be sort of an MGA vehicle ended up having, you know, various Lloyd syndicates and MGAs all around the world. And, and, and it was a, you know, very enlightening experience into the inner workings of insurance. Um, yeah. And then from there uh, into, into Nairi. So, you know, it's a business hard to get out of once you're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like the, the, the speed at which that, um, that must have been something to sort of, to be part of a, a, a you know, that's quite interesting to talk about, because a lot of what I like to talk about on these things is, is talking about a startup world. But um, what was that sort of journey like? Because that's pretty quick, because it start, build, exit, six years. Most people would take that when uh, the AMV piece. Is that, is that difficult? to manage do you think some people fit that model uh, some people don't sort of personality wise yeah i mean anything that's taking something that's conceptual that, that you know resides in, in in your head or, or head of a group of people and then and then and then take that to that sort of point it requires a lot of resilience it requires a lot of creativity uh it requires um you know to be very tolerant to actually challenging yourself Either, either you yourself challenging yourself or the marketplace and, and, and situations that arise challenging yourself. It's a lot mm -hmm. of hard work. There's a sprinkling of luck in there as well, being at the right place at the right time, I guess. Um, and I think, you know, what sort of what I saw, especially through, um, both through and I from AMB, that there is a, a profile of person that are builders, that are, you know, people that really want to come in at the beginning of an, an adventure. Uh, you know, and, and build up that idea and, and, and execute that vision. I think, um, you know, on that final point, execution is probably the, the most valuable asset uh, in, in the startup space. You really need to, you really need to be very execution heavy and execution focused. Yeah, yeah. Well, a bit of a thing that I've, um, I think I'm trying to create my own catchphrases rather than anyone watching saying I've got one, but <laughs> certainly uh, something that. Um, I keep saying is that you know everyone seems to have a really good idea um, within the insurance infrastructure because it's so big and I think you can look at it and go there's a you know there's a there's a problem to be solved there um, and if the problem's big enough someone will pay you money for it it's kind of usually the piece but there's there's a difference between spotting a problem and then executing on it um, and executing well um, but I think sometimes people get very excited about the uh, the idea, um, but you have got to deliver on that idea. Yeah, exactly, and, and I think you know something that you see as well is there's two two additional factors that the you know an idea that's really great on paper sometimes yes. in the real world just doesn't work out, right? and 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 even if you have that execution, it just um, um, you know just 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 doesn't play out as, as you think it would. I think the success, the success stories are vital to the startup ecosystem, but also 
um, the things that couldn't get carried out until their finalization of the vision. It's all lessons learned and, and it really does help build that sort of new generation or next generation on entrepreneurs when they can look back and say, okay, well, you know, this worked out, this didn't work out. And I think anybody that likes setting up a business does it over and over again and yeah. more get used to uh, failing than succeeding. It's a lot of failure and, and, and very little success. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've just done my comfy accounts today. Um, <laughs> talk to you about that. <laughs> it's been some failing and, and, and achieving at the same time. Um, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And um, I think there's something really interesting that um, someone said to me recently about the other thing about the idea is it's got to be big enough, you know, is the juice worth, worth the squeeze as, as people say, you know, it, it's, and I think that's where it's interesting talking about incumbent insurers versus kind of insure techs. And, and a lot of the innovation and, and we, we sort of focus on is, is external to the insurance company in insure tech space. But I think that they, the, the, the duty on an insure tech is to tackle a big enough problem. Whereas innovation within an insurer and incumbent insurer could be quite small and have a massive impact because of the cost base, because of the scale. Um, so in a, in a way, they've got an advantage of they, they can arguably focus on smaller, smaller problems, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, I think whereas you have the insure text can be very, very nimble in terms of, you know, that sort of uh, you know, insurance is a moving target, right? The, 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 you can have a problem that, again, on, on paper in, in one year is, is a problem, then next year you have to slightly pivot that idea for it to be successful. And I think, you know, it's um, very, very infrequently someone will have an idea, execute on that, and it'll be exactly what you set out to do in the beginning. Yeah. I think for, you're absolutely right with the incumbents that then, the the pain points or the areas where they need to uh, or want to improve in, in their operations and their own execution um you know sometimes it's very very small things in the big scheme of things but are very um, um you know very widely resonating um i think the advantage that the incumbents have um you know vis-a-vis -vis sort of uh, startups and uh, and insure techs is usually much more resource right mm -hmm. You know, as a startup, uh, and even when you're starting to get into break, sort of the break-even land, you know, there's all there's that sort of financial risk that you have, right? You can't, you know, you have to think twice before, uh, you know, hiring four or five more people so you have a really good thing that you want to build for, for a platform. I think for for the incumbents, many of them don't have that issue. They have a lot of resource. Um, they have interesting and attractive enough projects that pitched right to actually attract the right talent. Mm -hmm. Many times out of the industry in there. Um, and, and I think, you know, one of, one of the things we'll, we'll see more and more of incumbents is they won't try to, uh, let's say, innovate or disrupt in their current structure, but rather saying, okay, well, this current structure is very, very big. Actually, let's take these pain points and let's extrapolate them into a, for, uh, a newer structure with a slightly different philosophy and actually build up, build up from there. And sometimes you'll find that, you know, um, these incumbents, it's just too big and too heavy to, to actually, uh, you know, execute that innovation internally. We've 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 already started mentioning the the I word. Um, so, uh, you know, something that I'd like to ask people at the moment is is you know what does innovation mean to you um, in your world? Yeah, for me, it, it means, uh, and, and you're absolutely right. It means, uh, you know, uh, ten. 10 people, 10 opinions and what that is. I mean, for me, what it means is to do something that hasn't been done before, right? Or actually do something that has been done before, but in a very different way that creates value. Right? 
and I think that's especially relevant within within our space. And, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel every single time. Uh, and, and there's times that you can look at our marketplace and say, okay, well, you know, if I bring together these types of people and this type of technology, and maybe this very this different approach, you know, there's a new product to to to, to service the marketplace or, or or a new way of doing things, right? That's completely new and, and, and can't be done. And other times it's just spotting something and say, okay, well, let's look at this problem and let's just, you know, uh, turn it 360 degrees, spin it around and, and see if we can um, tackle it in a different way. And, and both of those things are, are innovation for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, you know, I think there's two things that you sort of mentioned there. It, it, it's about kind of deriving value and creating value. And, and, and I think sometimes that gets lost as well. Like, you know, there needs to be, it doesn't have to be immediate, but there does need to be a sort of, ROI on these things, otherwise, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not innovation if you're losing money, right? <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter how cool it looks, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think we've seen that in in you know in the, maybe the last couple of years, and it goes back to you know ideas that are great in, in principle, but then in the real world may you know may not have that resonance that one would expect. And, and I think there's been really great ideas, but when you look at the sort of the end game of that idea, it really isn't isn't pushing the boundaries or isn't truly innovating or isn't even fixing the problem or, or, or the actual effort to fix the problem um, isn't worth it and we could just, you know, um, uh, carry on uh, as we were. So it is a tricky one. It's a very tricky mm -hmm. one. Mm. Do you think that speaks to culture? Because I think sometimes it's, you know, particularly, um, someone said, someone described insurance to me as this like you know, it's a it's a follower, it's a fast follower kind of marketplace. It's, it's not it's not for pioneers as such. Um, and that was a massive generalization. Obviously, someone has to be pioneering, but to, as a as a general rule, that the insurance market does tend to follow each other in its kind of direction. But if you're kind of not, if you've not got a culture of kind of innovation and change, um, we sort of always get into this. You follow ideas that that aren't necessarily. Because you feel like you should, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. It's like, you know, you're innovating or changing things because you think you should do, whereas there's not a kind of overall goal. Um, it's just we feel like we should be doing something, so let's go and do something. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is, a, this is one of the, the tricky questions, right? Because, um, you know, and looking from a more incumbent perspective, you know, these are these are regulated entities that, that report to, you know, to, to many different organisms that ultimately, in, in the end, um, and need to be able to service the policyholders, um, um, you know, that, the, that we as an industry cover, and I never lose sight of that. But I think, um, on the other hand, it is a it's a very social and follow industry, as you as you say, and I, and I think to, to drive that change, and we have seen innovation within insurance, not insure tech, but if you look at some, you know, the big success stories in, in the insurance and, and reinsurance world, there there've been a lot of stories, especially the very successful ones, that they they've come and done things different differently either completely differently or, or, or again going to the other definition of innovation of the same thing but in, in a very different way that drives that value i think um you know to, to innovate in a marketplace like insurance it requires a lot of bold leadership um you know you you, you need to be able to you know uh, funnily enough for our marketplace take risk it needs to be very very calculated but you need to be prepared to take that risk um, mm. to take that risk you need the support from from the organization which is very very important so so i think uh, innovation within the marketplace and sort of leaving startups to one side because that sort of 
Greenfield has the advantage of that. But I think, um, you know, this doesn't come from one single individual. It needs to be the, the, the joint support of the entire organization, um, you know, selecting whether they, whether they want to disrupt or, 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 or innovate. And then it requires a, a, you know, a fair degree of talent. Uh, and sometimes that means um, bringing in talent from uh, industries that are external to insurance to, to provide sort of that, that fresh set of eyes. Yeah. You do need the expertise of, you know, insurance can be very, very complex and it's very, very nuanced. So you do need that expertise and you need to sort of, um, again, with the leadership, bring those two things together. Uh, and then I think from, you know, just t take a step back and, and when looking at driving change within insurance and with innovation, not only looking at from the perspective of, you know, am I going to save some percentage points on my expense ratio or, or slightly down my combined ratio, but actually, you know, again, sometimes we lose sight that there's a policy holder somewhere, right? And so yeah. Yeah, how, 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 how does this change better serve them? Which I think is the responsibility that we have yeah. in the industry ultimately for the policyholder. So it's mm. a complex, multifaceted and multidimensional sort of sort of thing to look at when, 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 when doing this. Yeah, and I, I think it's difficult sometimes in business. You can be very abstract and, and forget that there's, particularly in insurance, you can forget that there's an end consumer. You know, there's a real life, you know, customer that is sitting there buying the thing um because because i often talk about the psychology of customers because i think i think it's very difficult even when you work within insurance to kind of differentiate the experiences you have so if you buy insurance online personally the process now is pretty slick pretty efficient you know it's um you can put limited information in and it can auto populate a lot of other information um you know and that experience is in your head goes insurance is like this so then when you go into something like commercial you know large complex i don't think anyone's expecting the, the parallel but the drive towards that kind of experience um psychologically I, I i think you've got the same customer buying insurance and they're having two very buying experiences and although they can obviously identify that the things are different because they're sophisticated buyers um, I think there's a little niggle at the end of the mind going, that must be the end goal. It must be getting closer to that. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I know maybe I'm speaking kind of out of my purview of understanding, but I, I do think there's something about when we see all this innovation in one side of the industry, it's kind of uh, incumbent upon us to kind of get closer to that and bridge that gap if possible. Yeah, yeah, I think with you know, obviously with, with personal insurance, you're very, very close to the customer, right? And so you can you can really deliver experiences that, that, that you know, they, I mean, we, we could call it enjoy, but I think just just make that process very, very efficient, uh, and also another you know another item, which happens a lot actually. You know, um, when something happens, people sort of you know who do I have that insurance with? So they make that that process of uh, of uh, getting our support as an industry very very easy. I think when you move, move into the commercial side of things, there's many more layers between you and that sort of end customer. So I think um, one way of actually driving a better experience for them is is not only attacking the problem from the customer end, but also from our sort of internal end. And sometimes it's trivial things. So, you know, um, do I have a piece of technology that can reliably extract, uh, you know, data from the emails I receive from brokers from the PDF files? Because the impact of that is maybe more accurate information. Maybe it's a faster turnaround time to a broker. Maybe I can get that risk covered um, um, sooner. So I think there's 
you know, it's, it's important to take a step back, look at that sort of supply chain, then, uh, you know, focus on the bit where you are and say, okay, not only can, how do I benefit myself, but how do I benefit the people on, on this end uh, and on this end? And, and sometimes on, you know, on, on the left is the customer, on the right is a, you know, a capacity provider or reinsurer. But I think for everybody, um, attacks these little, little pockets, I think for the sort of the commercial customer, that experience invariably will, will get better. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, um, you know, I think we've sort of touched on bits of this, but I was asking you, I was going to ask you about the kind of, you know, if, if you're an incumbent insurer, what do you think are the building blocks that you put in place to kind of drive that innovation uh, today? It, you, you, we'll give you one of the big insurers to play with. What, what, what's, uh, what would you do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as, a, as an incumbent, I think what you, there's different ways to answer this question. So one is like, uh, if, if I'm inside the incumbent, how do I strategize the, uh, innovation or, or um, and look at the problem? And the other one is, um, in our case, as, as a you know, platform supplier or, or a technology supplier for them, I think um, one thing that we always encourage is, um, you know, it's, uh, this is insurance. We know how it works, right? We know what the processes are. We know what obligations are to the clients, the regulators, to ourselves internally. Um, but then let's, let's sort of deconstruct it and reconstruct the process. And, and, and this is something that comes up and it comes up when, when, when speaking with clients and working with clients and, 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 and implementing our solutions. Um, yeah, yeah, one thing we find a lot, it's a, a very sequential process, right? And so they say, okay, the, you know, the, the a submission or a slip will come in here and it has to go through A, B, C, D. And it's a very sort of snake-like step-by-step um, process. And, and the process works. It isn't, it isn't a, a bad process. Mm. But then you say, okay, well, with this piece of technology, something that you're not able to visualize, but I can because I have the technology. Okay, A, B, C, and D, instead of being sequential, I can now stack them on themselves and they can be a parallel thing. And so, yeah. you know, you give him an example, a risk will come in, you know, you have a, a piece of, financial institution open market risk comes in you know i can run a sanction search and i can um, maybe run some uh some i have some pre-processed uh, uh claim statistics from uh, you know, segmented by market that i can access at that very initial point in time uh, check an underwriting authority check and risk appetite ultimately you, you have a lot of that data as soon as it comes in the door so so isn't the isn't a big sort of big bang uh AI monster that, that does something, but just a very simple notion of saying, okay, well, let's approach this part of the puzzle differently. And it makes a very, very big change. It impacts data quality, impacts the, you know, uh, people's time, right? So less keying in, more, more analyzing, more doing the underwriting or the risk assessment. And so, mm -hmm. so I think when working with, with, with incumbents, this is an approach to really offer them what, what the other alternative is. Sometimes they, may not want to see that other alternative and, and there's a lot of i think um uh, there's a lot of uh, work that needs to go into that by that same token in, in in the incumbents there no one is best positioned to you know to do spring cleaning in their house than the owner of the house itself right and so i think uh you know taking that set, step back bringing in the right talent if it doesn't already exist in the organization and having a very open mind on, on how to, to to achieve that change i think that's a, a key thing yeah, yeah. I, I I think this kind of lab culture that people are sort of trying to engender in the in this sort of incumbents is is, is the right way to go. You know, I, I do think there's a possibility that you know you almost need to isolate some capital, isolate some resource, and say right, 
almost build, you know, try and build processes from the ground up, but make them profitable. And when they work, then we can plug them into the, you know, to the, the wider business um you know do you want to compete with us on some risks as well that might be quite interesting and you know who wins survives and 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 a bit more freedom and we're sort of seeing that kind of that type of behavior but i think it's really interesting that you're you're from this sort of tech world but also worked within the insurance industry because where i think some of the challenges i always kind of feel a bit depressed when i see this like there'll be some latest insure tech telling us that insurance is broken or you know it's like well it isn't <laughs> like it's, there's just things you can do better but you can say that about any industry that's 300 years old right i mean the, and but it's regulated so it's fine to bring out the idea of like minimum viable products but you can't have a minimum viable product when that product is an insurance policy that someone can claim against you know, you, you can't well you can't get that you can't get that wrong you know you can't you can't release a policy that's just Oh, we'll just change it as we go. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. So there are changes you can make, and there are changes you can't make, um, driven by regulation. Um, um, but but that that kind of idea, that principle of, of people sort of coming to the table and going, oh, it's broken. It's like as you said, it, it's not. But um, there are just there are things that we can do together. So um, I had a question about open APIs, which is not something that I know a lot about, but I, I've written a question down here saying, all oh, right, open. And I think what I actually meant was, I think when I started working in the insurance industry like 15 years ago, you bought um, massive kind of software packages or IT and, and none of it talked to the other. And that was the kind of biggest part of the problem. So scrapping my kind of API nonsense question that I probably sent to you was, was more about kind of how important is the kind of, interconnectivity of the tech and do you do you see that that as some of the kind of problems that we've had today is that n without it talking to each other then you're never going to move forward yeah, yeah I, this is actually one of the the sort of the big value propositions in an area as well and, and, and when setting it up you know coming from the industry you, you look at um well, uh, sort of that large monolithic approach to, to, to technology serving serving the insurance market right and, and and, and then there's another large monolith and another and another and there's a lack of communication and there's a lot of workarounds that need to happen and then the solution is sometimes worse than the problem you mm -hmm. still have rekeying and etc uh, etc et so i think um, um both personally and from an inari perspective we we view and i view that um this is over right um, this uh, you know the the age of the monolithic system is over i think um you know the the new age coming in is an age where customers get a best-in-class experience right? mm -hmm. so let's say you have a an insurance carrier right and um you know there's a, a an amazing platform to do pricing uh, or, or rating and there's another really great platform that does uh, you know uh, data mining extraction from from documents and then and etc cetera, etc cetera. i think what, what we what we aim to achieve at inari not only is a replacement platform it's a platform where we de-risk the execution risk of combining all these different technologies together and, 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 and deploying them to a client. And we make them very, very organic. I mean, when it comes to the, the, the subject of APIs, which is one very, very dear to me, you know, it's, it's been one of these terms that people have clung on to for their life. You know, it's one of the new buzzwords or the new old buzzword. Um, uh, you know, it's like we, we've shown some of our demos, you know, I can teach my mother to make a postman request to an API endpoint. There is no mystery. I mean, your two requirements are a computer and sort of knowing how to read, 
right? Because it is really, it's <laughs> and that's the point of the API. It, it needs to be something simple where I can, uh, you know, uh, send information or request information or have the system that I'm requesting to do something or my system do something without all these front end screens in a, in a, in a very sort of um, non-technical definition of it. Um, now, when it's just requesting moving stuff around, you know, I, I think that doesn't cut it either. It needs to, the, these API integrations, either, you know, open APIs or, 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 you know, sort of commercial private APIs, or even just systems talking to each other by API, it needs to, you know, really fit in with what we're trying to agree, uh, achieve, right? Uh, I, I like to call it sort of a, an organic integration, right? So that's, you know, let's say, again, going to, back to the quote rate bind process, right? You have something like our system sort of sitting in the middle, orchestrating everything that happens. And then, you know, it's going through that process. And then when it needs to require a rate, we can fire out a request, bring back that data, do something with that data, actually make it very, very meaningful rather than the system does A, B, and C, fires out, the number comes back, and then it stops. And then you have to go in and, and do something. There's, there, there, there's an art to, to integrating um, these things. I, I think. Um, the sort of integration revolution is starting now. Um, why um, people starting? That's actually the benefit of API being a buzzword, right? So it's, mm. it's no longer in the in the in the domain of the you know to, um, the, the the IT caves, you know, which I used to working at the, at the bottom of a building. It's actually everybody is familiar with it. There's been a lot of education about what they are and and, and what they can provide. I think people are thinking about that. Um, I think um, yeah. Everybody's building now their technology to be API ready, uh, or, or at least have these uh, an integration layer. And then we have technologies like ours, for example. Um, I'm not going to speak about anybody else's technology. I'll speak about ours that actually <laughs> de-risks this, right? And, and so I think where it's a lot of the complexity before, when people didn't have monolithic systems, and you know, I have to connect and orchestrate all those sort of big sort of uh, dance move between all these different participants. To actually, uh, you know, run a process or, or generate a number, whatever that is, and, and there was a lot of risk into it. Um, I think it, this ties again in, 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 into one of the pieces that insurance companies do insurance, right? Mm. So not necessarily you're going to find, um, um, you know, a, a profile of a, of a data integration. Not all insurance companies have one. Some insurance companies are very, very small. So there's a lot of risk into doing this. I think um, as that's become commoditized, we're going to see. Um, something that people hated before which was you know companies with 20 different systems but this is very very different it's 20 different systems all in yeah. orchestration and working together yeah 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 no i think I, I i think just culturally as well like as as people you know we're i've realized how it's that classic thing of of um as a comedian i can't remember who it was but he did this thing about he was on a plane and it's the first time he's been on a plane and said oh by the way you know you can all now use wi-fi please log in here's the code and then like half an hour into the flight everyone's like super, super excited half an hour into the flight the wi-fi went down and they came over going wi-fi went over down and everyone's going oh you know and throwing their toys out the parent we're like half an hour ago you couldn't do this now you can and now you're angry that you can't again and and i think i i know that we i obviously use systems at the back end for recruitment and, and there's lots of plugins for things like the you know telephone systems etc but what I realized now I was choosing a new system and I actually, one of my key factors was how connected, how connected is this? How open is this system? Because I want to be able to plug all these things in. Um, I'm not fearful of having multiple systems now, but they have to all talk to each other because I, 
because as a user, I want kind of one footprint and then all these systems working behind for me. Um, and I just think I just think the mindset has shifted, you know, away from that being fearful, as in, you know, but you want all these tools to talk to each other, otherwise they become and I think that's how people now judge that personally, that's that's how I'm sort of hearing people judge things, you know, it's it's how good are they at talking to each other rather than individually being brilliant at this one thing. If it doesn't talk to the other things that we have, then that's that's not that's not helpful. Yeah, I mean to to be fair, in um this isn't just a mindset change of the of the customer that's consuming these things. It's a mindset change also in, in the vendor. So I mean, we're, we're a vendor, and and, sure. um, and and I think you know that willingness to, to actually play well with other technologies, and, and you know to have that um, degree of confidence of the technology solving the piece of the puzzle that you're solving, and be able to invite others to to play or, or to collaborate. I think um, you know that's um, not only sort of an incumbent or industry. Um, Responsibility. It's a it's a vendor responsibility. It's something we've been we've been doing recently, and you know we've uh, started to announce some of these um, uh, integrations, others to others to come. And the idea is, you know, how do we commoditize the ecosystem for the client? Right. We know that we're really good at doing this, this, and this. This is not on our roadmap. Let's partner with people that, uh, that are really good at doing uh, at doing what they want. So I think, um, you know, when you if you take a look at it, if you have the industry it's starting to have that mindset, as you say, is you know, um, how interconnected or interconnectable, if that's even a word, you know, is, yeah. is the piece of technology I'm acquiring. When you have the vendors approaching it from the same perspective, it's a very, very powerful combination. It requires mm -hmm. a degree of transparency and, uh, and openness and confidence, but I think that's, you know, we're, you know, some of the things we're working on, um, we can't really talk about right now, but um, sure. yeah. it's a very, very, very powerful combination for us. And obviously for the for the client the same way i think the industry should never lose sight, lose sight of the policyholder as uh, technology um, practitioners and vendors should never lose sight of delivering a, a unique and very powerful experience to our customers and this is one way to do that mm. why do you i was gonna say well what what do you personally think um has made that shift in sort of vendors that they're sort of now working together um I don't know. Have you got, have you got just, just your take on it? I appreciate it. I'm just, I'm not asking you to speak for an entire industry, but I just, I'm interested to hear your take on it. Yeah, I, I can give you my viewpoint. I think every, everybody will, will do their own thing. Um, you know, there's a couple of things. I think in other industries, we've seen how very, very successful that is. So if we look at um, sort of the sales and marketing industry, right? Uh, you know, you look at Salesforce, right? And, I wish one day we were a sales force and that would make our shareholders very yeah, happy. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> they can really having this, this call from a yacht somewhere. Yeah. Uh, no, but I think, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Salesforce and other, others like it went down the, the route of saying, okay, well, you know, here's our platform, but we're going to really going to open up so other, people's can, other people can integrate. Other people can develop products within our ecosystem. And these products can either be, you know, within our fabric or adjunct to our fabric. And, and, you know, the, what happens is the, the clients obviously have the value that they're looking for and, and, and they wouldn't want to move out elsewhere. And I think um, that's, that's slowly coming to, to, to our industry as well. It is, it is what's going to, I mean, technology in general is going down, going down that path. So I think vendors are realizing this as well. I mean, there's another point. The insurance industry is probably one of the most hardest industries as a technology vendor uh, to enter. The barrier entry is very, very high. It's a, 
it's a, again, it's, it's a risk management industry, so obviously very risk uh, adverse. Um, you know, people, and this is normal, want to see proven interest rates. It, it's very hard to get the foot in the door and actually show what your product can do. So I think also there's, there's value into, into vendors sort of merging together or collaborating together to make that process uh, easier, you know, to, to, to make that sale, if you will. And then I think a, there's, a, there's a third part that when um, all these technologies work together, they work much, much better, right? Yeah. So I, I always pick on the, the same example. So it's us in the middle. And we, you know, um, uh, there's another technology that does a particular task. Now, if we don't, don't play well with them and they don't play well, play well with us, there's a piece of the puzzle that we're miss missing. Therefore, the customer experience isn't as great. Mm -hmm. And maybe from their perspective, if they had to integrate with the legacy system, they wouldn't be able to show their full potential and their full value. So it's a very symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. um, between people. And I think, you know, the, that's where the industry will, will, will gravitate. You always have the big sort of technology providers, but I think this is a new uh, sort of a paradigm shift, if you will. Um, and we're going to see a lot more collaboration between vendors as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. And just, just from the systems that I start to sort of, the, the CRMs, the applicant tracking systems, all those sorts of things that, that, that I get exposed to, even they're playing nicer, as, as it were. You know, you're, you're getting cross-sell between them and they integrate together. And, and, and that's, yeah, like I say, that's how I'm judging, because I'm, I'm literally going through it at the moment, which is why it's on the top of my mind. And it, it's purely on integration as to why I've turned one down and gone to another. Um, that's really interesting. Uh, I mean, that leads us on to something I was going to ask you, sort of buy versus make. Um, obviously, there's a certain bias about that. <laughs> oh, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> bye. Um, but I, I, I think, I don't even think that's an argument anymore, personally. I just, I think we see, we've seen that shift towards buy because that, personally, that's what I'm seeing. It's more, you know, the roles that we see in technology is more about people, bringing people in to integrate that technology into the business, not bringing people in to build a system as such anymore um you know uh, do you think it's just because the technology's got better or or do you think it's just uh, i don't know is it about is it is it people rolling out and going we spent so much money making we may as well buy or um what do you, do you what do you think behind was behind that yeah i think there's there's you know the first point that buy versus make as a vendor I mean, again it's always buy for me right but um, <laughs> Being on the other side as a technology leader with, within the insurance industry, I think um, I think there's been a, an issue for a very long time whereby the available technology did not cover all the use case scenarios within different insurance companies, right? And, yeah. Um, you know, and I think um, having platforms that um, have a good degree of flexibility, um, you know, that's that's something that's that's needed. So I think for the for the longest time, you know, there's um, um, in again, in a very complex industry that was very hard to attract talent into. It was very, very specific, very, very nuanced. There was, you know, your, an amount of, of software solutions, but that, that's not a one, you know, we're not a one size fits all industry. So I think what you started to see uh, was a big trend of, you know, the, the build, right? The, or, the, or the make. So insurance companies starting to, uh, or hiring large amounts of developers and, 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 and project managers and, and architects and all these different things to, to go out and build these solutions. Um, you know, there, there's a problem. There's a problem in that is that if you're an insurance company, you're not a software development company. And they're two very different things, right? And, and 
you know, not even just getting those first deliveries, but keeping that technology refreshed and even keeping it up to date and modify that just adds a lot of complexity. So I think you've got that on, on one end. On the other end, it's converged with the commoditization of, of a lot of technology. So one is infrastructure as a service, right? So, you know, the big, uh, I guess the buzzword of, of 10 years ago was cloud and not everybody really understood what it was, but, but now, you know, you've got AWS, uh, as your digital ocean soft layer, I mean, you know, pick your your infrastructure as a service. So that's become commoditized. That that gives a lot of freedom um, to the vendors to actually build what what's in their heads without having to, you know, raise twenty million dollars every time they they, they want to do it. So it really mm -hmm. has facilitated that again innovation on that side. So you've had these two worlds and they started to collide. And, and so you know, there's a, a load of really great. Um, solutions out there that are pre-built, it de-risks me financially, it de-risks me from an execution perspective. It's a good degree of customization. And, and if you take it to that very next level that we've been talking about, once they will start talking to each other, they can actually mix and match the, the features and functionalities that I want. Uh, and so I think the, the make argument gets less. I think where you'll see a lot, still a lot of make is, you know, um, algorithms and, and, and some uh, very strategic parts of uh, data creation and data management that then you feed into these platforms mm. that's, that's valuable but building an entire software stack or, or, or platform um you know if i had to do that today i'd, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to see where the value was in yeah. Europe, just connecting stuff together yeah yeah no exactly and i think you're right you know if you look at the banking industry as well that the, the the secret source, the magic will be in the algorithms. It'll be like how do insurance companies use data and how, how they drive value from it and therefore how do they make themselves more profitable. Um, that that will be the thing that you will keep in-house because it will be the thing that makes you, you know, your company unique. Um, conscious of your time, so I wanted to start wrapping things up, but um, I wanted to just talk to you as a kind of relatively new three-year in um, business, how you grew your team and, and how that came about because... Some people stumble people into people in lifts. Some people are a bit more strategic. So, you know, um, how, how big's the team now and, and how did you all come together? Uh, so we're, we're 14 people in, in, in the team today. Um, um, and we're actually spread across the globe, right? So, you know, there's a, a bunch of us in Barcelona and we have Paris and we have Lebanon and we have Bilbao and we have uh, Galicia, which is a region here in Spain as well. So we're all separated, uh, all sort of dispersed. And, and there's a lot to be said about the effectiveness of, of uh, I don't call it remote working. I just call it working. Because it is, it is, it is <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think uh, it, it's a combination of people that, you know, we've met and worked together in the past. And a lot of new friends as well that, are, that have come into the, into the family. And that's been very, very important to, you know, even when, when trying to, to innovate and trying to build something new, you, you have the baggage of preconception and bias, right? And so bringing people in and facilitating an environment where um, the people coming can actually challenge the subject matter experts and say, you know, do you really want to do it this way? I think that's a, a, it's a very powerful combination. So, uh, you know, chance, luck, synchronicity, <laughs> uh, and just, um, you know, having a keen eye for, for, for hiring people. Um, yeah. And we're lucky because we have a, a team composition, which I think um, summarizes really well the sort of skill sets that you need in those first three or four years to break even, but then are going to have the right tools to then um, take that company into, into a more established, you know, um, 
they're always conserving sort of the entrepreneurial spirit but you know when you have four six ten clients you know the the, the, the company does need to shift a bit into into i wouldn't call it bau but it's a slightly different way of doing things so they're a very multidisciplinary team that are able to do that shift because they've already worked both in startups and in sort of um bau environments mm -hmm. regularly BAU environments. Mm -hmm. and what stage you at in terms of um did you did you raise investment or have you been through some you know fundraising before or? um in past lives yes uh in this one we've been uh very self-sufficient um very self-sufficient in that in that aspect um uh and there's a couple of reasons for that i think one, one of the reasons for it is you know we've been able to sort of bootstrap until where we are uh today and it's given us um my opinion uh, a degree of freedom on you know choosing how to come into the market and also what to focus on on first that doesn't mean we, you know you, you you know you're never open to, to capital in the future but but we've been very very efficient with that very very nimble um and uh and yeah so we're very happy of with our progress today mm, good yeah i just think i think it allows you to write your own ticket i think if you if you can get to a point where you know you, you i mean in the day can get to a point you're a viable business without so taking the outside investment i just that's my bias preference but i know so a lot of people have come on and said that's the european model versus the us model which is have an idea go and get funding and then build it and, and you know it's not to say one's wrong or the other but i think my personal preference is that if you can get there you've got the freedom like you say it's your money you can do with it what you like uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and build the thing but once you've built something and you've proven it you're just in a better position if you want to go out and set the terms of engagement you, you can do it strongly so um but you know, what do I know? Um. <laughs> There's actually an interesting point there, and I think we, we and, and it relates back into incumbency and all that. The, the same way sometimes we go in to do demos with with incumbents, and um, and it takes them a while to assimilate. We're accomplishing the same thing, but a very very different way. Mm. Uh, to our eyes, more efficient, um, uh, more optimized. But you know, everybody's um, and that also happens with with investment well, when you're on the fringe of, especially in in. I think what you have is a market, which is insurance, which a lot of external capital does not ultimately understand. You know, they don't have that expertise, maybe within sort of the personal lines, but when you talk about commercial lines and, and you talk about a border row or you talk about IBNR or, or whatever that is, then then you start to lose them. And it really is the, you know, our industry is nuanced. It does, does have specificities to it. And so I think what you, what you see there, especially when the area where we are, which is sort of, in the back end, if you will, mm. um, you know, connecting uh, how great and how beneficial what we're building is to someone that doesn't fully understand the, this segment of the industry. They're very, very smart people, but this is an industry that does require expertise and, and, and experience. And sometimes that can, you can have that same sort of challenge that sometimes you have with the incumbent. They just really don't get, well, why do you want to do it that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wheel. So, well, actually for this problem, the wheel needs to be reinvented um, because the, the wheel that currently exists is just a square. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm all for I'm all for rounder wheels. That that's actually that's that's a really nice definition. I'm going to leave that as a neat definition of innovation: a slightly rounder wheel. Um, <laughs> but look, Frank, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for um, being a guest on the show. And I'm um, really excited to see what you guys get up with in, um, in the next, in, in the future. So, you know, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you.
there you go, guys. That was Frank Perkins at Venari IO. I really enjoyed that one. I, I think I'm guilty of saying I always really enjoy it, but I, I think I just do like talking to people, uh, particularly about innovation and tech within the insurance space. So, um, yeah, guilty pleasure for me doing this podcast, but genuinely great guest and, and really lovely guy. Um, we, we didn't get to show you that afterwards um, when we stopped recording, we were still on the call. And um, yes, that is a Darth Vader head you see on the wall behind Frank. And um, there are further Star Wars compliments around the um, office. So for, for a little sci-fi nerd like me, that was quite a good um, a surprise to kind of see. Um, and I think he's um, challenging uh, the Mulberry Risk um, team for the best backdrop. All those theirs is hiding a toilet. Um, so uh, yeah, um, that was quite fun. Um, as always, this is is brought to you by um, FinPro. Um, we are FinPro.com. Um, I've been your host, Alex Bond. Um, the day job is executive recruitment in insurance and insure tech space. So if we can help at all in that um, realm, please contact me, um, Alex Bond um, at FinPro. Uh, I'm obviously findable on LinkedIn and that's often the best way to contact me. But if you want to reach out to me directly, um, the email address is alex at wearefinpro.com. Um, Frank definitely wins the prize for the de best definition of innovation in insurance space or innovation full stop slightly rounder wheels um, and you can look forward to me rolling that out on loads of other uh, podcasts to come pun completely intended hope you enjoyed it all the best bye <laughs>